0: Hallelujah. Let's open up the Word and let's go for uh, Timothy chapter 1. Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We live right now in a very unusual time. One might even say a tumultuous time. And uh, there is lots of opportunities... To, uh, to take any one of many different emotions. But one of the things I hear very often, if not the word specifically, you can hear it in the way people talk, and that's fear and dread. So we're going to address some of that tonight. And why am I addressing this to the church? Well, you're seated here in these chairs, There's people watching via computer or tablet or phone or YouTube or any one of the other different means and avenues by which the word goes forth. And we all need to be reminded. See, we're all flesh and blood. And one thing I've learned in my time upon this fair globe is that uh, my body instinctively seems to do things contrary to what I always think it should. (laughs) My mind takes me places I don't always want to go. Sometimes it leads me where I shouldn't follow. (laughs) And we can all say that to one degree, one extent or another. Every moment of every day, we have an opportunity to walk one of two different paths. We have choice. But I want us to know this. So first, uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So what do we have? We have that spirit. Power and love and a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. Pastor Gary, not that long ago on uh, on I think it was Facebook, posted something that says "Fear not" occurs three hundred and sixty five times in the Bible. Do you think three sixty five might represent something significant? One for every day of the week. The fact that there is the same number of occurrences as there are days is no coincidence because I don't believe in coincidence when it comes to God. It's just like Proverbs, you know, there's 31 of them. So even on the longest month, right, you got one for every day. We know that these are the last days, and we've heard about the last days for a very long time. It seems like every day seems to be the last day, but that's, you know, we are living in the last days. We have to bear in mind that a day with the Lord is as a thousand. So, um, you know, we can uh, uh, take stock in the fact that His time is not our time. <clears throat> Something that resonated with me, Pastor Gary said on Sunday, because I, I was I was debating, you know, as I was preparing my heart to to minister and share. and It's like, you know, what are, what, Lord, what am I gonna what, what am I gonna share? And and it's like, no, I don't think that's it. And I kept on coming back to me, and I was like, no, I don't think that's it. And it kept on coming back to me, and I'm thinking, well. You know, I really need, I really need, you know, not really a fleece per se, but it was like a confirmation or some kind of, am I heading in the right direction? Because it just, in the natural, it didn't feel right to me, and I wasn't settled. And it's like, okay, is it me? Is it the Spirit? You know, and I'm going that whole battle, you know, doing, doing the whole thing. And I'm saying, well, I'm praying, and this is, this is the direction I seem to be led in. But Pastor Gary mentioned something on Sunday, and it went off in me like a, like a light show, like an explosion. And he said that fear is a symptom of pride. And I'm thinking, wow, I've never, I've never ever heard that before. And so as I was pondering this word, of course, everything just came alive and said, OK, I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> So there are a number of things we can consider when we look at them. And as time permits this evening, we're, we're going we're to get there. So we're going to turn back into um, uh, so many different places I could go. But let's start in uh, Genesis 15. Genesis 15, chapter 1. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. How about that? It might be easier. <laughs> uh, and after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great re- reward." So, when we think of fear, what do we what do we think of? I'm going to get into this in a, in a few minutes, but there's a couple of different a couple of different versions of that uh, of that scripture that I want to read because I'm going to attempt to let the word explain itself. I don't want my interpretation or my understanding. I want the revelation, if there is any, to come forth. The Amplified Version, same, same chapter and verse. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your reward, for obedience shall be very great. Same verse, same chapter, the message. After all these things, the word of God came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward will be grand. This sounds pretty promising, doesn't it, so far? Yeah. So does this sound like something that's in our own strength or in our own ability? No, not not so far. Um, Here's always an interesting one. I like like always kind of going back to the Young's Literal Translation just because it's (laughs) so not normal English. (laughs) You know, it really makes you think about it. And again, it's because it's more directly translated from the original languages. That's why it's called the Literal translation. After these things hath the word of Jehovah been unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I, in brackets, am a shield to thee. Thy reward is, in brackets, exceeding great. So it sounds like there's a great reward. It's grand, it's great, it's very great and an exceeding great reward of the different translations we've just read. Fear not. Well, what does it mean? No fear. Don't fear. Do not be afraid. What happens when we're afraid? What typically is it? I think I'm jumping ahead, but that's okay. Let the Spirit lead. I'm learning. Learning. (laughs) When we're afraid of heights, what are we afraid of? Yeah, it's not the fall, <laughs> it's the <a> sudden stop. All <laughs> right, if, if someone has a fear of flying, right, what is it really a fear of? It's probably death, whether it be through a failure of the aircraft and a crash, or whether or not, you know, this, we've heard enough stories, we've seen enough movies, we know the different things that could happen. And in these days, it's like, you know, getting on a hollow metal tube with a hundred other people who are in very close proximity with nowhere to go, and Lord only knows what they're carrying. Right? Some people are feared. Some people are so afraid to go outside of their doors they are paralyzed in fear yeah. still they a lot have you right a lot have actually stopped living they don't want to go out for groceries they don't want to go visit family they don't want to do any of the things the joy of life has been totally removed
1: yeah that's true
0: that's it yeah. So when God says, you know, he's taking, talking to the people of the Bible, he's talking to the patriarchs, but we know that there is nothing in the word that is not intended for all of us. Right? It is, it is the only book written that teaches us how to live forever. It is the guidebook to life here on earth and in the life yet to come. Yeah. Right? There, we have a relationship with the author of the book Sometimes we're, we're saying, you know, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. <laughs> he did. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. And he will. Yeah. But we have to listen. We have to, we have to use the gifts that God has given us, whether it be eyes, ears, sound, you know, through speaking, you know, speak the word. As Many good Bible students, everybody here, everybody within the sound of my voice, we learn an important lesson when we're learning to interpret the Bible, and we're learning to to, um, understand what it's trying to tell us. And when we're breaking down the Scriptures, it's often referred to as the law of first mention. So the first time a word appears and the first time a phrase is used in the Bible is significant. Now, in this particular passage in Genesis, it's not the first mention of the word fear, but it is the first mention of fear not. We're going to get into the actual words here in a minute. I want to make sure that we understand that we're not talking about fear as in the reverential fear. Or the the fear, um, you know, it says, fear God. It's generally understood that, that in that context it's referring to the reverential fear, the awe of the Almighty Creator, right? But that's not the fear we're talking about here. We're going to uh, we're going to go into that a little deeper here. Let's go into um, Isaiah chapter forty-one. Isaiah chapter 41. And we're going to read uh, verse 10. And again, I'm going to read it in a couple of different translations, but we're going to start with the King James. Fear thou not, thou? (laughs) Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Do not be dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Well, that sounds pretty promising. But well, what's, the, what's the starting of that particular verse? Right, fear not. fear not. So if we go with fear, what do you think might, what, what might that do that might negate the words that come thereafter? You know, anybody that's listened to any amount, of, uh, any amount of faith teaching at all has probably heard the expression that, that um, uh, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Right. When we have fear, we are consciously or subconsciously considering the outcome or the likely outcome that we're thinking of is greater than the success that God promises. Amen. If, I, if, I, if I am in fear of driving on the road in the snow, there could be very good reason for that. could be that I have very poor tires. I don't. It could be that I have very little experience in the, in the uh, driving in the winter, which is also not true, right? Yeah. It could be because of, you know, the general conditions and things. It's not. It could be because of other drivers. <laughs> Much more likely. <laughs> right. But, but what, what, does it, what does me being fearful of that scenario do? A couple of things can happen. Number one is I might stay parked and not go anywhere, which means that whatever my purpose was is not being fulfilled. If I was to go out, I was to go out for a reason. Yes. We're not supposed to be just parked. You know, the word does say go, right? Not stay, right? But, but if, if there's something that's holding me back, what is it? And in this day and age, again, whether you're sitting here or not, or whether you're hearing this for the very first time, if there is fear, then that something is holding you back. And there's a greater confidence in the potential mm, undesired outcome than in the desired outcome from what the Lord promises. (laughs) So again reread the King James version Isaiah 41:10 Young's literal again Be not afraid for with thee I am Look not around for I am thy God I have strengthened thee Yes I have helped thee yea I upheld thee with the right hand of my righteousness So who's holding you up? He, God, he is holding us, not me holding me up. It is he holding me up, capital H for the (laughs) Newfies, capital H. (laughs) (laughs) The message version says this, "'But you, Israel, are my servant, your Jacob, my first choice, descendants of my good friend Abraham.'" I pulled you in from all over the world, called you in from every dark corner of the earth, telling you, you are my servant, serving on my side. I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. Amplified says, Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, of salvation. Man, that sounds like the whole package.
1: If we do not fear, because God
0: has us. When we get into the element of pride, right? Speaking from somebody that, that again, has has dealt most of his Christian walk dealing with self-righteousness. Trying to do everything I could to be right with God. Newsflash for me and everyone else ain't gonna work. There is nothing we can do that God hasn't made provision for us through Jesus. He is our righteousness, or we are righteous in Him. And there's nothing I can do, believe it or not, there's nothing I can do to change that except for deny His power. If God says, If God's word says, by his stripes, I am healed. If I go around in fear of a disease, a virus, a bug, a germ, a whatever, I am denying the power of God's word and of what he did. In essence, I'm saying, thanks God, I know you're with me, but I'm not sure, you know, I'm such a special case, I'm not sure that the finished work on the cross was enough for me. Okay. It sounds absurd, doesn't it? But that's in essence what we're saying. So when, we're, when we allow ourselves to be held hostage by fear, that is exactly the same thing. We're saying, I can't do that because your power may not be enough to get me through. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the uh, strength in my speech to be able to say that in front of my living God. But we do it in our word and actions, and we do it subconsciously in the stuff we say. You know, I'm afraid I can't do that. Well, what's that word doing in your vocabulary anyway? Yeah. So, again, we're talking about a word, so there's always things that we have to do when we're talking about a word. We've got a couple of different scriptural examples, but I also like to go digging into a little bit of the, uh, the I think it's etymology of the, of the, of the words. And the encyclopedia of the Bible says that fear, uh, and there's several different uh, words, um, the principal ones are yirah and yare. One's a noun, one's a verb, respectively. Their meaning comprises of, oddly enough, guess what? Fear, dread, terror, timidity, wonderful, that gets into the, the awe reverential part, stupendous, that's pretty strong and powerful, right? Reverence and awe. There's Greek words too. We're not going to touch on those so much at the moment. But again, they, they, they translate also into terror, alarm, reverence, and respect. So we know that we're talking about the same kind of word. In, in the, the scriptures that I'm using tonight, the particular um, Hebrew word uh, is yah-re, right? It is a verb. And its definition is simply to fear. So, as a noun, uh, if we go to like dictionary.com or Wikipedia or Oxford or any one of the different ones, uh, and I looked at a bunch of them and came up with pretty much the same list, it says, as a noun, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something dangerous is likely to cause pain or a threat. As a verb, it's to be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. So again, it wasn't just me making that up earlier, right? That's Again, as, uh, as the, the, any of the, the Bible school students uh, here in our midst or, or uh, uh, by remote, if they've attended any of our uh, Bible courses, right, you would have heard the acronym for fear, right, which breaks it out as the false evidence appearing real.
1: False evidence, it's an illusion,
0: But it's so convincing, it appears real. So we have ourselves many times so convinced in what we use our five senses for, right? Sight, sound, touch, smell. You know, you get the goosebumps, you get the shivers, you get the chills. You, you see something that, that is just unbelievable, Right? Let that, let that adjective sink in too, right? It's unbelievable, Then why are we believing it? <laughs> See, most of the times when we're dealing with fear, we're dealing with a sense of, again, impending doom. There's a worry associated with it. And that is also something, we don't have time to go there tonight, but the worry is another thing that we're not supposed to do. Agreed? See how they're all related. They're all related. We are creatures of emotion, right? We are mind, soul, and body. Well, we have the spirit in us, teaching us, leading us, and guiding us. But a lot of times there's a kind of that <laughs> pushing down because it's not as tangible. As the things that we can touch and hear and feel. And for some reason we think if we can't see it or we can't hear it or we can't touch, taste, or smell it, it doesn't exist. Well, I've got news for you. right? Just because you can't taste it, just because you can't smell it, doesn't mean it won't kill you. Carbon monoxide is a perfect example of that. Odorless, tasteless, completely transparent, thoroughly toxic. You die did. There are things in, in our realm, in the f- flesh and bones, that will kill us, whether we see, taste, or touch it or not. So it can be real. And we need to make sure that we understand that we walk not by flesh and blood it is by the spirit so what brings about fear ultimately again as i've said it's the sense of imminent or impending pain hardship or failure you know people may be scared of public speaking again scared fear intimidated right part of those definitions i read earlier why Because they don't want to stammer. They don't want to stutter. They don't want to feel awkward. Because of an impression of what someone else might think about us. Well, guess what that points back to again? (laughs) Pride. Right? We know that pride goes before what? So when we become reliant on ourselves, on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, and our own abilities, we're denying the power of God. Again, a significant pride. We know that fear is a significant detriment because it is fueled, again, exclusively by the sense realm. We are not to be ruled by our senses. Another scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and powers, right? So it's not against the one that's irritating you. It's not against the one that's harassing you. It's not against the one who's, um, you know, uh, bullying. Now, those are very real things. You can't deny that they exist, but we can't deny their power. Over us. And yep. we can deny their power and their authority to rule and have dominion over us. We are priests and kings. We have dominion. We're learning to walk it out. We're learning to walk in it. We're learning, you know, it's a, day, it's a, it's a, it's a day-to-day, dare I say, moment-by-moment experience. Yeah, it's funny, you know... Uh, the last time I, sp- I, uh, I spoke I, I got to, to to preach, and it' was a bit of a funny story, at least it's funny to me, so it's my time i got to tell it. So the last time I was getting ready to 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 speak, uh, just as I was on my way to the church, I got a call saying that uh, one of my tenants had an issue um, with their plumbing. i won't go into gory detail, but we'll we'll just say that that it was a nasty situation, right? So the last thing I really got to spend any time doing before I came to church was staring in the midst of this absolute nastiness. Well, isn't that special? Praise God. I thought, well, you know what? That's not going to deter me. It's not going to steal my joy. And I'm still going to go deliver the word. Well, guess where I spent a good chunk of my day today? (laughs) Right in another one. Right in another one. A nine foot deep pit, two nasty old pumps all clogged up, nothing working right. Whoo, glory to God. I'm thinking, I know I'm in for another good one, right? There's something trying to get me off track, trying to get my mind off it, trying to steal my joy, trying to get me worked up, right? Opportunities to take, and I didn't take them, praise God. And I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on him because... A year ago, I don't think I could have said that so confidently. (laughs) But there is a real enemy. There is a real devil. And he, you know what? He's out to get you. By any means, he can. But we won't let him. He's not going to have us. I refuse to give up. I will not quit. Amen. So, what overcomes fear? Well, let's let let's look into one of the. uh, I don't often uh, do this, but it it struck me, so I I went with it anyway. It's one of the uh, one of the study notes in one of the different Bible versions I was using. It it popped up. What overcomes fear? Perfected love. You're absolutely right, Pastor Nancy. No surprise. You're a student of the Word, right? Right. Love, the fear of God, right? In the Old Testament, yielded to the love of God. In the New Testament, though the awesome nature of God will never diminish, His fatherly love was manifested through Jesus. His tenderness was has replaced terror. John gave the Christian antidote to fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears is not perfected in love. 1 John 4.18, if you need to back that up with Scripture. (laughs) 1 John 4.18. The Christian should have no fear of hunger, Nakedness, sickness, suffering, wicked people, death, nor judgment. All these have lost the power of fear in the love of Christ.
1: That's why he hates
0: fear. Absolutely. And, and in, you know, in the news, if you should happen to have it on at any point, right? You, you don't, it does not take very long listening to hear stuff that can stir that seed of fear. And what happens if you water a seed? It grows. Well, you know what? Weeds grow as well as the desired plants. Weeds grow faster. They grow better. They grow bigger. They get in the way. They ruin everything. (laughs) Right? And we're planting them all the time. And we might not be doing the planting. We're just listening. It's getting tossed into our ears all the time. It's planting that seed of fear. It's planting that seed of doubt. It's planting that that distrust that God's word is true and that his spirit is sufficient. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal body. That resurrected power. Amen. See, if we have confidence again, and I mentioned this earlier, but if we have confidence in our own ability and training, it can, it can, you know, if you're if you're a skier, right, standing at a top of a snow-covered mountain with sticks with little points on the front, right, is not intimidating to you. For those of us that don't do a lot of it, there is a different sensation standing at the top of that thing. Right. Yodel. <laughs> See, but you can have a confidence because you've done it before. Right? You can develop skill, right? But let's not mistake that right for what God has done for us. He has given us gifts. He has given us abilities. He has given us talents, which we are supposed to apply. There are places that you can go if you're not intimidated in the slightest by heights that you cannot go if you're paralyzed by fear and cannot get up at the second step of a ladder. I can tell you another story. I used to be a chimney sweep. Prior to being a chimney sweep, I was terrified of heights. So, I went through a number of changes, you know, in my life, right? One of which I found myself out of work again and needed to find something to do. And I tried a couple of different things and I thought I knew the direction and life had a different plan. So, I walked it out. And I was given the opportunity. I was working with somebody and I was, I was uh, doing some office work, groundwork, doing estimating and stuff like that. And the company I was working for had a couple of chimney sweeps, both that left at the same time. So all of a sudden the company was le- left without any staff. Well, this, the, the couple that owned the company were, were Christian folks and I developed a good relationship with them and he developed the trust and confidence in me. It was kind of beginning to mentor me, right? He said, John, you could do this. I said, oh, brother, I don't know. And you know I don't like heights, right? He goes, God can deal with that. I said, I'm sure he can, (laughs) but I'm still the one who has got to put my foot on the ladder, right? All right, so um, lo and behold, in a very short period of time, I was not only up the ladder, I was on the roof. And not just you know, flat roofs, <laughs> A steep roofs, in far remote places, <laughs> all by myself, right? Long story short, right? The Lord enabled me to overcome that fear. I, it, was, it was an occupation for me at the time. It was how the Lord was providing me seed to feed the family, Right? There's all kinds of other stories that go along with that too. Because when you um, forget from whence that grace comes, you can develop a confidence in your own strength and ability. And you can find yourself suspended on the corner of a chimney six feet off the roof by the crotch of your pants. (laughs) Dangly feet. Help! <laughs> I wasn't the reason the fall protection regulations came into place, but I definitely understood it when it happened. I didn't fall, and I wasn't injured. Praise the Lord. But I did learn a very valuable lesson. Trust in Him, and don't be stupid. <laughs> there, is, there is wisdom that He can give you. And, you know, sometimes what we, we don't often recognize the fact that we need to pray for discernment, to know the difference between the different signals that we're getting. You know, is it fear? Is it wisdom? Is there peace? Is there anxiety? You know, am I relying on my own strength or am I totally confident in him? I mean, I'm talking to a bunch of flesh and blood people, right? Like, we have different things. And unless you're different than me, and it's entirely possible, but sometimes within five minutes, my pendulum can swing to both sides. In extremes. You know, so spiritually minded at one point, I'm no earthly good. And so earthly minded in other cases, I'm no spiritually good. There's, you know... Pastor Gary's often said it. You know, there's two miles of ditch to every mile of road. We want to be on the straight and narrow. That's where the truth lies. Let's follow the truth, follow the peace, follow the leading. Let's remember the verse I started with. So, all that we digressed. Let's get back to the word. There is no suggestion when it says, do not fear. Fear not. In other words, be not afraid. And it's backed up with this, the confidence of I am. We walk with the great I am. Whatever we need, I am is. So we ought not to be afraid. Because we ought to have the confidence in the one that is talking to us. If he says, do not fear, you're going to have a great reward. Then guess what? A short story. Don't be scared. Be blessed.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's uh, look at another couple of verses here. See if I can reel this back in. Joshua chapter 8. Love Joshua. I don't envy his position, (laughs) but I'm glad it's here to tell us. Joshua 8, beginning in verse 1. We'll read verses 1 and 2. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise and go to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall you take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. So, fear not, because he's going to be with us. He's already promised the victory. He's already promised the spoils. He already has declared the end result. You're going to overcome. You're going to do to him what you did to Jericho. This time you're going to get the benefit of it all. The Amplified says this, Do not fear or be dismayed or intimidated. Take all the men of war... ...with you, and set out, go to Ai. See, I have given the king Ai, his people, his city, and his land, into your hand. The Young's Literal says, "...and Jehovah said unto Joshua, Fear not, nor be affrighted. Take with thee all the people of war, and rise, and go to Ai, and see, I have given unto thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land." So again, what accompanies the directive, fear not? It's the knowledge that God is here with you, and he is going to go with you, and that the victory has already been promised. So if we know we have the victory in any given situation, then why would we be feared? Why would we have fear? Why would we be intimidated? Why would we be anxious? Why would we be fretful? It's the confidence knowing that God has our back. It is He that goes before us in the battle. That's what we need to build. If we know we have the victory, we don't have any reason to be afraid, fearful, discouraged, or anxious. Not any reason at all. Now, it does not say anything about in these verses, no matter how many you look up, about being comfortable or being stress free or not being stretched. Think about the situation for a minute. Joshua has pretty much just, you know, seen the end of his mentor buried. Not going into the promised land. And he's inherited the charge of three million murmuring, complaining Hebrews. And he's it. Tag. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Uh, This is also after they went and did stuff they weren't supposed to do. We always have to remember that God has our best interest. Even if we're not comfortable. Because how comfortable do you think Paul was in the prison? Was he in the will of God? For some reason, we think, I think initially, as born-again believers, that when we're in the will of God, there is no opposition, that there is no hassle, there is no headaches or pressure. <laughs> uh, newsflash, if you haven't figured it out already, that's not the way it is. There is opposition. Why? Why? said it before, there's a real enemy. He does not want to see you cross that finish line victorious. But we're going to, because we know how it ends.
1: We'll bring this home here. Um,
0: Romans 8.28. And this is important, especially when we think things aren't necessarily going our way. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. So let's pause there for a minute. Do you love God? Then what does the preceding line say? All things work together. Does that say some things work together? Does that say most things work together? No, it says all things and to them who are called according to His purpose. So if we love God and we're called according to His purpose, guess what? Everything works together. The Amplified Version says this, And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His plan and purpose. The message has an interesting uh, view on this, too. It says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And the Young's Literal, again, my anchor. And you have known that to those loving God, all things do work together for good to those who are called according to purpose. So good or bad, ugly, happy sad whatever the situation have the confidence that god will bring you through it and that whatever just like in the in the life of joseph right what the enemy had planned for evil god can use for good Jeremiah 29 uh, verses 11 through 13 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you come upon, call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken to you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart." The amplified same, tran- same same chapter verse for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you says the Lord plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and hope so in the midst of a disaster that's not the end in the midst of a trial that's not the end there is a future there is a hope for I, Young's Literal, again, I got more, but I'm going to skip there. For I have known the thoughts that I am thinking towards you, an affirmation of Jehovah, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you posterity and hope. See, we are more than conquerors. Can you do, do One, one more, one more uh, batch of verses. I got more but we don't we don't uh, we're not going there tonight looks like Romans 8:37 <laughs> <laughs> Romans 8:37 Nay in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 37 in the Amplified says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. i gotta read, I got to read this one. So what do you think? This is the message. With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition, exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly or freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way! Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying, not the price of gas, not the price of oil, not COVID-19, not backstabbing. Oh, sorry, I added a couple. Uh, Not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Hallelujah. Isn't that positive? Isn't that uplifting? Yes. So let's fear not. Let's do not be afraid. Let's no, do not be intimidated by what we see and hear around us, but believe that God has our back and he has empowered us to have victory. Now, not just in the hereafter, right now. Amen. Father, we thank you again for this time together. We thank you that your word has gone forth. May it do that which it was set forth to do. May it indeed encourage and edify, lift up and bring life. We thank you that your word is life-changing and that you have our back for us and there is nothing, nothing that is too great for you that you have not done, you have not accomplished by the finished work of Christ. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah.